Hello, hello, this is Tom Karadza, and welcome to the Your Life, Your Term show. So the reason that we're finally diving into podcasting is we wanted another place that we, where we could elaborate on some of the topics that we talk about, sometimes on a Rockstar Minute if you've seen our YouTube channel, definitely with uh, members in our newsletters and the audios that we share with members, but we wanted a casual environment where we could share some of this information and maybe explore some of the topics that we've talked about over the years um, with different guests in a, in, a, in a little bit of a different Different format. So we're, we're finally, after after debating this for some time, we're finally diving into podcasting. So uh, this is it. And we've, we're, we're calling it the Your Life, Your Term show. And this first episode, it's, it's Nick and I sharing our story. So, you know, why we quit our jobs, um, when we bought our first properties. Um, you're going to hear Nick talking about his first flip. You're going to hear us talking about some of our first rental properties and some of the lessons that we picked up along the way. And we, we don't do a big deep dive into it, but I think we kind of give some behind the scenes context of our stories and that may help you going forward and understanding who's talking to you on this podcast and uh, understanding our frame of reference. So really our goal is to offer you an, some value in some way, whether it's real estate, um, business building, mindset, just something that we've learned over the years that maybe took us a long time to figure out that we can share with you now today in a quick way where perhaps it serves you in some way. That's really our goal in everything that we do. And, um, you know, th the reason we're calling this Your Life, Your Term show is, is a lot of people know us from starting Rockstar Real Estate. And we obviously are big believers in real estate. We believe real estate is one of the vehicles that can help us live life on our own terms. And, and that message is really what we're more about, even more so than real estate. You know, Nick and I really wanted personal freedom. And we felt the whole story that society had maybe fed us that you go to school, I went to university, uh, Nick went to college, you'll hear us explain, and uh, go to school and then go get a good job. A few years after getting those quote unquote good jobs, we quickly realized we couldn't get ahead and we were getting really frustrated. And, you know, we just really wanted to help people when we quit our job, help people buy property as a vehicle to help them live life on their terms. But it doesn't have to be real estate only, you know, whether that's helping people from a mindset point of view and just some of their thinking on what they can do for their lives and what's possible from some of the things that we've seen ourselves or um, other areas altogether, like building your own side hustle, building your own side business, building your own primary business and allowing you to quit your job with a, a the business that you've built from scratch. Building a business is one of the ways you can build equity into your life from zero. You know, it's almost like magic. Um, so this podcast is going to be a combination of that kind of stuff. So definitely real estate related, definitely some business building stuff. We're going to bring in some guests that have um, some, uh, some topic, some guests and some topics that are not related to either of those two things, just because uh, it's going to humor us, I think. And, and hopefully you'll, you'll find some value in that as well. So in this first podcast, you're going to hear Nick and I go through our stories and uh, hopefully you'll, 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 you'll enjoy it. Um, Rockstar Real Estate, just for some context, um, this later this year, 
will be our 10 year anniversary. So if you're listening to this and it's not 2018, that's the frame I'm, I'm talking about later this year in 2018 will be Rockstar's 10 year anniversary. We've now worked, we believe you'll hear us debating it on the call a little bit. Um, we think definitely over 2000, possibly over 3000 investment properties as a group. Um, there's been a great team here. It, it started with Nick and myself and you're, you'll hear how it evolved. Um, over a billion dollars in investment property, Rockstar has helped people purchase at this point and, and buy. So so, um, you know, a, a lot of experiences and a lot of war scars and a lot of battles we fought to accomplish that kind of stuff. So we're really proud of that. So um, that's it for the intro, guys. We have a... Uh, um we have a pretty crazy, maybe little musical intro thing where we hired some guy to put it together. I think you'll probably get a laugh at that. Let's kick that off right now. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Yeah, great. Oh my gosh, we're doing it. Are you ready? Did you hear that? Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, so welcome everyone. This is the Your Life your term show. This is our first one, so we're going to see how this goes. We're starting off with uh, Nick's going to basically tell us his life story. That's so great. That's how we're starting. Yeah, off. perfect. So I'm ready for that. This episode's going to be a little different because we are going to share, you know, a little bit of our stories and uh, how um, we quit our jobs and what we've learned from that whole experience. And uh, you know, we'll just kind of see where this plays out. So Nick, I want to start with you. I'm just wondering what what parts of the story you're gonna leave out because there's a lot. Yeah, there's some we're gonna uh, leave out. There's a- I'm uh, I'm drinking my mushroom. No, you're drinking something too. I'm drinking my mushroom blend. So in 15 minutes, I should be a bit smarter than I am now. <laughs> be prepared. This is something I'm supposed to take every afternoon now for I don't know extra nutrition or something that I was the doctor told. Oh, me that's that, not that, just that, a vitamin C drink. Or no, something? the naturopath told me to take this just because of the amount of exercise. That I need something in the afternoon oh. to give me something. I don't know. I just listen to him. Yours and do it. looks radioactive. Mine looks. Mine does, yeah. But it tastes good. So, um, okay. So, just so everybody knows, if you're not aware, um, we both quit our jobs uh, some time ago now. I guess Nick quit in like 2006. I quit my job in 2007. We did that because we were both frustrated. I, I personally, I mean, I Nick's probably, uh, I'm sure, tired of hearing it. I was so frustrated with going to the corporate job. I worked in IT. You know, we did the whole, we, both of us did the whole thing. You know, we went to, our parents are immigrants to Canada. Our father is from Croatia. Our mother is from um, Scotland. Our mother had a little bit more money, so she came over on a plane. You know that, right? No, I don't. Yeah. I don't. Our mom came over on a plane. Our dad came over on our boat. I know he came over on a boat. So he For was some poor. reason, I never knew that she came over on a plane. Yeah. I never even looked yeah. into she it. She was basically rich. <laughs> compared to our dad. So our dad, he escaped Yugoslavia back then. Uh, he was a Croatian guy. He escaped as a refugee in Austria. And then the church in Austria helped him pay to get his way out of Austria. I guess they didn't want him in Austria. And they kicked him out of Austria. And the church gave him enough money to be able to get a ticket to either Canada or Australia. And he chose Canada I know. because to be closer but, to home, right? Yeah, to be closer yeah. to his parents. But uh, he should have chosen Australia. Australia is a nice country. But we wouldn't have been born. That'd be a problem. So uh, <laughs> so he chose Canada. He came over on a boat um, in Halifax, landed in Canada in Halifax, came down to Toronto. Uh, uh, the story goes he had $3 in his pocket. 
started working and saving. Our mom uh, came. They both came in the 60s. Where did he start working right away? In a, in a butcher plant or something, he right? He w- worked in the meat meatpacking district in Toronto off uh, Bloor? No, Dundas? Uh, yeah, somewhere around there. And uh, he said that he would have went home. Um, if he had enough money to go back home after a couple months in Canada, he would have went back home. But Can he, you imagine? Can you Like if I had to leave now to a completely different culture where I didn't speak the language, had... You know, I guess the equivalent of a hundred bucks in my pocket or something. I couldn't even imagine doing it. Like, there's just no way I would break. We're weak. I would. Yeah, yeah, we are. And and uh, he he even helped a guy. So another guy apparently who had a family that was here couldn't load the meat. I guess they were slaughtering animals and skinning the animals. And my our father and this guy, their job was to take the skin that was dumped off, off on the floor or something and throw it into these buckets to haul off somewhere and this guy couldn't lift it. So our dad started doing his job and helping this guy by lifting his his allotment of skins. <laughs> think of the, you know, think of all the like the safety, you know, now with the unions and things. So think of what that job is now and how, what they do oh. compared to what they were really doing back then. I can't even imagine. I can't imagine either. I'd run. But he, yeah, he <laughs> we, helped the guy. We, we have it easy. The guy was crying because he had a bad back and he said, hey, I can't, I'm not gonna be able to do my job. I'm not gonna be able to feed my family. And our dad helped, started helping him out. And that was the start. Then he went into laying parquet floors, I think, after that. Parquet flooring. Apparently, he was the fastest parquet floor layer. Of course. Well, he says that, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In all of in Toronto. Canada. Maybe Canada. I think yeah, Canada. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, then after that, I think there's something to stop in between, but eventually got into drywall, as all Croatians do. And then he started a drywall company. And our mom was actually, wow, our mom was a bookkeeper for that company. And our mom is the yeah, bookkeeper for a long of time. Rockstar. Yeah. So uh, that was kind of his path. Um, grade eight education. So he made it to grade eight in Croatia or the former Yugoslavia. He made it to grade eight and that was his final grade. I just asked him the other day cause I thought it was grade three, but funny, but started a million dollar business. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. They, they were, they sure, ended up sure. building from just sheer hard work. Yeah. And they went from, from small jobs to, to like huge condo complex, yeah. like multiple condo complexes yeah. that they were doing the, the, the framing, the drywall for yeah. interior framing. Yeah. We but, all learned uh, a ton. You and I worked there. Our father was uh, didn't pay for sometimes to lift material up like twenty stories. So you and I had to run material up twenty stories. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I got some pretty bad roles when I was working there. there yeah. Some good, some <laughs> good both. lessons, but some <laughs> the pretty worst bad one ones. I ever had was uh, I lifted a box of urine. I guess somebody had, was just it was cold, so they weren't going to the washroom or whatever, and they were just I don't know. Are we sharing too much of this stuff? I, don't, anyway, I didn't do it. it so you're, you're, I had you're to pick it up. Some pilda spilled on me. It was gross. I threw it out. And that was, you know, some of my kids tell me, uh, are there crap jobs? I'm like, yes. And I've had them. But uh, anyway, so our mom then, uh, um, our, our mom was here. Uh, she worked in a, as a lab technician. As a lab technician. I don't know too much about it. She was basically like a scientist. Yeah, she was. <laughs> um, and uh, But then became the bookkeeper for our father's company. And uh, we were both instructed to go to school. I went to university at U of T. Nick went to college. We both did the right things. We both got the good, quote unquote, good jobs afterwards. Um, and then we both decided to quit our jobs because we were going crazy. I personally was going crazy. You convinced me to buy real estate. Yeah, can you, uh, sh- can you share the story of how you got started with real estate? I think it was the I was think it was the Robert Allen seminar. No? It was. It was. And you know, some people have still heard of like even the the new investors meet today. They have a handful, not many anymore, have still heard of Robert Allen. Um, so we went. They, he was coming on a book tour with Mark Victor Hansen. They wrote the One Minute Millionaire, and we went to one of the evening sessions. And I remember sitting there thinking. 
How old was I then? Twenty, early twenties. Twenty. I remember you f- flipping your first property at twenty one. So maybe this was twenty yeah. or twenty one. Yeah, I think it was twenty one because it was in the fall. I moved pretty quick. Anyways, I, I remember sitting in the um, the audience and I was looking at this guy and he was you know showing the pictures of him on his boat with his family and all this stuff. Real estate's got him and all that you know that all that jazz. And I was like, man, I, I can do this. Like I was sitting there thinking, I I can do this. And I remember looking to you, and you always, you always, I'm in shock. I you think I'm the, super cheap. You think yeah, I'm, I'm cheaper than frugal, I really am. Frugal. So uh, that's yeah, that's the word I came up with to describe myself. I'm like frugal sounds a lot better. But um, when I turned to you, I said, you know what? I think I'm going to do this. You had this because look it was like of eight thousand or nine thousand or ten thousand dollars. Yeah, I you think looked, it was eight thousand. You had a sh- look of shock on your face. But uh, so, but anyways, I think I backed out that night. I, I didn't do it. So I went home the next day. Because it was I, a weekend boot camp? Oh, no, a one-week No, no, it was a weekend boot camp. For 8,000. Yeah, something like that. It was a, it was two and a half day. I remember there was like a, a Friday. Or it might have been three full days. But anyways, it was it was a weekend plus either one extra. So it was either, you know, t- between two or three days. And I didn't sign up that night. I went home and I went back um, the next day to sign up. Uh, I, I found where they were and I went before the thing. They didn't want to let me in. I'm like, no, no I'm just here to sign up. Let me follow the form. I think I remember that. And I went to a different location yeah, or something. Yeah, else. I did. And I ended up signing up the next day. And um, I mean, looking back, I've used very little of that information. <laughs> but <laughs> so, but it got me it got me going down the right path for sure. Because back then, it, it, this was all American training. And back then, they didn't even change, you know, IRA to RRSP or 401k to, you know, like they, sorry, 401k to, to uh, RRSP or anything. They didn't really change any of that stuff. So it was, uh, you know, it was kind of interesting, but it got me thinking, which was huge. And I remember at the end of that course, I think I told you this, a guy stood up at the end and said, and, and he's like, hey, I'm starting a class action lawsuit against these guys because it's none of this, can, you know, none of the Canadian information. Um, who wants to join us? And he was standing right, he was sitting right next to me when he stood up. And I'm just looking at this guy. I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I got information. I, I, I you know, now I just got to figure ready out to how to sue do these it. Guys. I'm not ready to sue these guys for, you know, like I, I kind of got what I bargained for, right? But um, so it was kind of, even that alone was a lesson in itself. But then, yeah, I got... I got moving after that. Because then you started looking at properties, I think, every night. You were scouring Mississauga. I was. And then but the do, you know, do you know, I mean, do you know why, you know, back to, I guess, if we take a step back, do you know why this all started? Like, to go back to the year life, your terms thing, it was just out of frustration. Because I was still working in the government at that time. Mm-hmm. So I was working at the um, the municipal government. So the region of Peel I was working at, which is a great place to work. I was out of school and I was I was making, you know, decent money for coming out of school and stuff. So everything was, was good, except... I was really frustrated because I had so much energy. I wanted to do more. And I really felt, I guess the thing that frustrated me is I felt like no matter how much harder I worked or if I did more things, there was really no long-term benefit to myself. There's no reward at the end of it. So it, it became quite frustrating to me. Um, and I also quickly realized, I guess I can share this now. It's been long enough. But I quickly realized that I probably had had to work about half the time I, I, you know, I needed to work and I was looked at as a quite a good employee with who produced good results. And I was only, I was giving 50% effort. Um, so I was like, man, I have all this extra time to do something. I got to figure this out. And I think it was, I used to leave being frustrated, not because I hated the place or I didn't like my coworkers and that type of stuff. I liked the people, I liked the place, but yeah, it was just the boredom. I'm like, what am I doing here? Like I have all this, you know, I want to be doing more. I can be doing more. So anyways, I used to leave like 
mad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd be, I'd be frustrated. Like I'm wasting my time here. So anyways, that's what got me started on it. But yeah, so I, 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 I went and bought this property. Remember? And I ended up buying it. It was two in bedroom. Port Credit, two bedroom. It was, um, right behind for anyone. High school. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, for anyone familiar with the area, that's where it was right behind there. And, um, would never buy that property again. No, no, <laughs> but, uh, but I did Two it. Bedroom leaky basement. We dug yeah. the property by hand. Uh, did we dig that one by hand? That's no, that oh. one we didn't dig by hand. That one, I thought I was a pro because I had all the guys lined up. But leaky basement. Oh, more than leaky. Yeah. Like if yeah. you walked down the stairs River. and you looked, I'll never forget when you looked at the foundation from walking down the stairs, the crack was so big. You could see daylight through the foundation. So like I, uh, the you know, kitchen so, was a disaster. I, you, did, you bought the worst property. Yeah, oh, two yeah. bedroom, leaky, yeah. horrible. Yeah, one fifty eight though. One fifty eight. Now this and this is a while ago. Now and you know, a long time ago. Sold it for two oh nine, I think, two oh four, something after like that. Expenses you profited. Um, I remember it being about four or five thousand bucks. Which, which at the time, I could have worked a little bit overtime for all the work. But do you know that when I left, when I bought that, because I, I was 21 when I bought it, right? Money. No, no, I made money. But when I was 21, I was crying. I, was, I left the lawyer's office, and I literally had tears in my eyes on the way home along the 401 because I was like, what the hell did I just do? I just took all the money that I've made and saved up to this point in my life, and I've just bought the crappiest property that I could find. I couldn't even get a mortgage. You know, I got pre-approved for a mortgage. I, man, I learned so much in that first property. I got pre-approved, so I went in firm because it was multiple offers because it was a rundown oh, property. People were going yeah, yeah, to yeah. flip it, multiple people. So I went in firm. Uh, the agent told me, you know, to go in firm. That way, you, you know, don't do an inspection, don't do financing, all these things that I wish I had Never learned did. before. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so anyways, I went in firm because, oh, I'm pre-approved. I have a mortgage. On the uh, listing, it said for land value only. And then when I sent that to the mortgage oh, broker, about the mortgage broker said, like, the bank didn't want to no, finance they're like, it. We're not going to finance it. So I'm like, what are you talking about? So I'm in this deal. I couldn't get financing for this deal. So I, I was like, holy man, my first, my first property, what have I got myself into? Anyways, I worked through that. That was, a, that was a lot of lessons. It's how we met one of the mortgage brokers we still use today, actually. Um, yeah, learned a ton, ended up making four or 5,000 bucks, did a crap load of work, had to call, I asked you for help. Um, I had to ask friends for help. You were there in the morning before your region appealed. I was there. I was waking up at 5.30, which when you're 21 years old, not many people want to wake up at 5.30 in the morning. And I was going down there with dad's pickup truck and I was loading it up with all this, the junk from the night before, going to the dump at, in Mississauga when it was still open, waiting waiting for it to open, for them to open the gates in the middle lane, waiting for them to open, pulling in, emptying it, taking the truck back, giving it to him to go to work. And then I'd go work at the region appeal all day and then go back there at night. So I was... Yeah, it was, a, it was like, I mean, there were easier ways to make money than that. But, but the look, lessons. I was just going to say, that's what I say. But looking back, the lessons were monstrous. Just the mortgage lesson alone that I learned. It's it just, they were monstrous. So, so that was 21. And then you went on to buy your first rental property. I think then you went to buy a rental, uh, student rental property. Then that's what kind of, because then I would have been around 26. So you would have been. Yeah, still 21. So you must have bought a rental property uh, outside of Mac. And then, because then you were like... Shortly after. I think, shortly I, was 20, I think I was 22 even by the time I sold the property. Okay. So, okay. So somewhere around know, 22, yeah. 23. Something like that. Because then I remember you saying, I bought this property, but I found this other rental that looked good. And somebody had told me, this is how we do things, which is totally crazy. Someone, someone in passing had just told me, student rentals are pretty good. There's lots of students. 
That was the whole sales pitch. And I remember you said, hey, Tom, I found this other student rental property. Looks kind of good. And I'm like, oh, really? I guess we should probably try to buy it. Well, you know how we got down the first time. So to your point, this is, you know, we, we were really, do no, research. no, we're just really good at leaping <laughs> and then figuring out after, um, we were, it, we were at the, like a men's hockey league team that we played on. So we we're on the Maulers, yeah, yeah. right. And the, uh, and Dave said, he goes, you know, someone said something about student properties. And then Dave said, it was he, Dave's cousin, Dennis, who told okay. me about, yeah, yeah. And then Dave had been down there because he used to visit his girlfriend down there. Cause his girlfriend used to go to, uh, to McMaster. So we went down and I'm like, let me go see these two rentals. Cause he told me that just how many people are down there and the demand for them. And I'm like, really? So I just kind of investigated the area for like five minutes. Yeah. And then we went down and started looking at properties and we found this beat up. Oh my old God. Play. That was even worse than your first one. I know it was, it was worse. It was, there was so much tar worse. on the window. I remember being in there and putting my finger on the window and then just drawing my finger down and black yeah. tar. It was gross. Or- Gross. It was great. It was like it was yellow, yeah, from too much smoking in the, in the place. Yeah, it was gross. Literally, and it, it was, was just because somebody had smoked there for like I think eight million years, and there was just smoke on yeah. the. It was so disgusting. Yeah, bought that one. Power of sale. Power so, of sale. Yeah, that was a power of sale. So another, yeah, if you another it, leaky basement. Almost every property I've ever owned has a leaky basement. You know, I every think, property I've ever owned with you has had a leaky basement. My my two primary Every residences. Every property I've not owned with you has not had a leaky basement. <laughs> my two primary residences have had actually no no not everyone's because the ones in other areas um, we haven't I, I guess different joint ventures and stuff we had haven't some yeah, newer town, townhomes and things okay. like that. Okay, okay, so, so you so, save those just yeah, for me. Yeah, so I'm not so bad after all. Yeah. Okay. So then I, uh, at that time you got that student rental, then we bought another uh, rental and it was right. Well, when did you start, when did you start flipping that house? Uh, that would have been a couple years after that because then I was at Oracle. So I finished university, went to Oracle. Uh, then I met, um, Ruben at Oracle and he was flipping, we were buying and then at some point he's like, Hey, you want to do this flip? Or I found this, pro- I, I don't even know how it came to be. And we flipped a property in Oakville. Um, that was about 3000 square feet. And, uh, we thought it was gonna be pretty easy. It wasn't easy at all. It was actually a disaster, but we were, we made profit on that property and, uh, kind of that started the snowball. Then another property up by York university. I remember my brother-in-law called me and he's like, Hey Tom, I found these properties. No, here's what happened. York University sold a piece of their land to tribute homes. And he said, because they needed money. They literally took a piece of their land and uh, right around that time, and he called me. Yeah, there was a lot. This was there all was, there the was an time. eruption around that because a lot of people weren't happy we're that they took university pissed. land and sold it to a builder. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he called me. He's like, Tom, I think these are pretty good. And he said the word student rentals. And I think I remember thinking to myself, did you say student rentals? <laughs> <laughs> like we were all of a like sudden we had, the experts. Yeah. So then, uh, I went up to the sales office on lunch from Oracle. I remember going for a long lunch and uh, going up there, looking at this semi-detached house. We put a deposit that day. And uh, my brother-in-law was shocked that we moved that fast. I think he was asking a few friends and they were hemming and hawing. I went up there. We put a deposit. That ended up being a fantastic property. Uh, We sold that property a couple years ago. It more than doubled, I guess, over probably... Uh, I guess 10 years or eight years. I'm losing track of everything. You know what? Um, thinking about this and seeing what listening to you is like, one of the things that really got us moving is we were really good at just kind of jumping at things and then figuring out stuff after. 
Yeah, hearing we, was, ne- we actually did very yeah. little research on anything. No, <laughs> you're no, right. Really, it's you're really right. actually. Quite but then bad. once we did it the first time, and we thought, hey, this is kind of half decent. Then we got serious. About yeah, it, and then, then we, we did research on it a bunch because now we we know a bunch of stuff. But I think we do that a lot with a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. yeah if yeah, you look at a lot back. of stuff that you've tried, you kind of try it first, see if it's half decent, and then you get serious about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then a few years later, we kept doing some property stuff. I, um, I think. Uh, yeah, so just to complete that whole go to school part, I went to school. For, I got a Bachelor of Science in Psychology, a double major, Psychology and Sociology. I remember learning a lot about Karl Marx. And the, uh, the psychology stuff was pretty cool. Then I got a job at, uh, oh my gosh, no, after university, I spent 13 grand on a nine month boot camp to teach me about computer programming because it was right before the year 2000. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how I was going to get a job. So I opened the career section in the Toronto Star and I cold called the companies that were offering the most money for year 2000. I comp- forgot you did that. Yeah, I cold called them. I said, hey, oh, how do I get these jobs? And they said, well, you need to know Visual Basic. No, COBOL. It's like some mainframe stuff. JCL, uh, Job some Control Language. Some different programming yeah, languages. Yeah, COBOL, JCL, yeah. And then if you know some HTML, some internet stuff, and some Visual Basic, you're a superstar. And then I found this school that just opened up Toronto for postgrad students. I was the very first student in Toronto who gave the money. So I, I wrote a check for 13500 <laughs> They were probably like, who's this sucker giving yeah. us this check? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I became the first student. And then Royal Bank did a cattle call. And because I was already a student there, they gave me a job offer. It was like $35,000 a year. I remember I had the, uh, the job even before I went to the school for the first day. I did the nine-month program. Four months into that job, I realized I hated mainframe computer programming because they stuck me in front of some clipper code. Oh, gosh. Uh, I couldn't imagine how you you'd oh, survive that. Nightmares. And then Oracle did a job posting, said, uh, we're hiring in tech support in Mississauga for like 42000 And all my friends said, don't take the job. And I decided, uh, what the heck, I'm going to take this job. Because you know what? I went to the bookstore and I opened up some Oracle database books. And I realized in the little introduction, it said, all these Fortune 500 companies are using Oracle databases. So I thought, oh my gosh. Yeah, but when you start in that world, because I started in tech support too, um, no one wants to, I mean, tech support in, in the IT world is just looked down upon. You're like, oh, you're in tech support. And yeah, you, and that's what know, everybody told me. You're, you're the bottom be feeder, a com- right? Yeah, yeah don't, you're not going to go from computer programming to tech support. So I quit, uh, went to Oracle, and then, yeah, went there for a few years, and uh, then uh, went to NetSuite for a couple of years and then uh, we were doing the property stuff and then that's when I realized when I was driving in traffic to NetSuite I remember telling some of my friends that like I'm stuck in traffic going eastbound from Oakville to Mississauga when all the money is westbound in Hamilton because we had had the rental properties in Hamilton and the student rentals were making good cash flow I'm like why am I not just doing more property stuff and uh, after a few more years or I, I don't know I, I, we started researching stuff I quit my job. So I quit my job when I was 33 or 34 as a regional sales manager, making well into the six figures at that point, um, right before the company went public, about six months before it went public. It went public on the Dow Jones, sorry, on the New York Stock Exchange for uh, over a billion dollars. And I quit six months before that. I was just frustrated. And uh, I remember calling you. I, I, I don't know if you remember. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember, remember exactly call- where I was. I remember calling you and going, Nick, I, I'm going to do something (laughs) and you can't tell anybody about this, but do you want in? (laughs) And, uh, and I said, yeah, just, I I just wanted to hear what you had to say. Yeah. yeah, And then I was going to decide. Yeah. Yeah. We could, I, we, so we, cause we already had our real estate licenses by then. Yeah. Because we got our real estate licenses as investors 
thinking that it was the holy grail to finding properties. Yeah, to yeah. bypass realtors, get yeah. access ourselves. Learned and that the hard way too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, quit our job. So quit my job. I remember when I quit my job because when I quit my job, um, I had a mortgage. I had uh, Carol was at home, so my wife was at at home. I had a four year old son and a ten month old daughter. So Carol wasn't working. A four year old, a ten month old, and a mortgage, and I quit my job. So that's why when people come to me now and they they're like, hey, yeah. I, don't know, I don't, you know, I found some excuse not to quit my job. I'm like, really? You're gonna make it work. Um, so uh, quit then, and luckily you decided to jump in because we would have never uh, started this journey. Even when we quit, we had no idea that we were gonna build Rockstar Real Estate. When we quit, it was just use our real estate license to yeah. buy more properties and maybe help some other people buy properties, and that's how we were gonna survive. Well, I, I, you know what, it worked out for timing because. I, I was involved in another business because a friend of mine who had a business had asked me to start running it for him probably a couple years before the, the, this time. And we'll get into kind of what happened with that business another time. I'm sure it's a longer story than we have time for today. But but as 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 that was winding down, um, uh, this came up and I was like, it's perfect timing. So I I it was I think we were fortunate in a way that the timing was good because timing. I could dedicate all my time if to it early jump, on. Yeah, because right? yeah, you you quit what you were doing, but then I hung on so we had some income for like six months or nine months, um, and then I quit, and then we went in at full time, and then the first brokerage we were in ended up going bankrupt. So not us, but the first brokerage that we went into went bankrupt. Then the second place that we were renting, it ended up, remember we were subleasing? And uh, the guy, we were, the landlord we were paying rent to stopped paying the true landlord. And one day we were just locked out of our offices um, and we decided that's enough. We have to start rock. What made you quit your job, though? I know you were frustrated, but what put you over the edge? Uh, I, you know, I think at that point, when, when I look back on it and, and a bunch of people have asked me this now, I mapped out. I remember thinking, OK, there's two things. I looked at the people who were 10 and 15 years ahead of me and I didn't like what I saw. So I, I was like 32, 33. So I looked at people who were in the industry at 42, 47, 50 years old. And I didn't like the life that I saw, even for the ones that were really high up in these companies. And there was they were very profitable companies and, and good salaries. I just it freaked me out. I just thought, forget it. And you know what? You know why? Because you couldn't take more than two weeks vacation. Like in these software sales companies, if you take two, more than two weeks vacation, you're looked at like as not loyal to the company. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing was, I remember thinking, if anyone ever tells me, uh, th- this stuck out for me, I already had my son. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I have to cherish these vacation days because I only get a certain amount of vacation days. And I remember thinking, what happens if my son has a really important soccer tournament or something that I want to go to? And I have to ask a VP or somebody for approval to take some days off. And let's say they deny me. If anyone denies me that I can't go see my son do something that's important to him, I'm just going to stop. I, 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 I can't handle it. And the frustration of mapping those two things out going forward was so, it just grew and grew to the point where I knew I was going to put my head through the, the drywall of my office and that if I didn't quit my job, I was, I was really going to lose my mind. And Carol was really convinced that I was going to lose my mind too because I just complained every day for years. And then I finally, uh, I finally decided I had to quit. And I remember when I gave notice, um, a lot of people where I was at said it was pretty crazy because, you know, it was a good salary, good position. Well, our accountants have said the same thing. Yeah, our accountant, I remember, I remember, I remember because my income was getting pretty high. I remember one year, it went from, 
you know, in, in the tech industry, one year with that account, I, I, I guess in my late 20s, early 30s, I cleared over 200,000. Yeah, and, and, and two hundred. I mean, listen, that was it's, big. It's, no, that was huge. That was no, game changing. No, but it's still a bunch of money. But yeah. but that that was, I guess, now what, like twelve years ago? Or like, you know, yeah. let's say 10, 10 plus yeah. years ago. I mean, two hundred thousand, just like a million dollars ten years ago is before much tax. More, before tax. Yeah, no, way. I got you. But it's still a million dollars ten years ago is a lot more than a million dollars now. Yeah, yeah. Just like two hundred grand ten years ago. It was, was big. I was probably young. I didn't even know how big it was. But I remember, uh, yeah, our accountant pulled us aside and uh, with my wife there, and he said, "Tom, I'd strongly advise you not to quit your job." I, I do a lot of people's taxes. Very few people make this kind of money. I would tell you not to quit your job. And I remember walking down the hallway and uh, thinking, "Why? Wow, I really wish he didn't say that with my wife." <laughs> That's exactly what I was just thinking. <laughs> he couldn't have waited until she was gone. Called you afterwards. Yeah, yeah, but Carol's always been supportive. I'm lucky. I mean, she was supportive. I, looking back, I don't even know how she she kind of supported me through quitting my job back then. I don't. I don't think many people. Would she have. was probably so just with the kids that she didn't even realize what was going on. Yeah, Jesus. maybe. Maybe yeah, that was tough. That was that was a bigger. Looking back, it was a bigger decision maybe than I thought at the time. So uh, so then yeah, that was the birth of Rockstar. Yeah, so we started doing okay. So we we went yeah, and we went to the you know we were working out of storage room initially. I remember because I was suffering. You were working. I was still at Netsuite. You were still there, and then I was because I was doing it full time. So you were supporting the business. That's why you were still there. But I was in it full time, and we we needed an office space. So we asked for the office space in the office, and the cheapest one we could get used to be the storage room yeah it was a no closet. windows or anything and that's where we we're working out it's of. where they kept them up mm. yeah and that's what we could not afford. anymore they had they had improved i remember it. because there was no mop first, anymore <laughs> when we first started meeting with investors and working with investors they would say oh come down to your office when they were in the brokerage and yeah. we we're like no no just stay here <laughs> just stay here we'll guy we'll, we'll we'll come we'll come to you so um yeah but they were uh they told us what we were doing would never work um said you they know, told people not to work with not us not to work with us um, investors are too difficult to work with. Yeah, they didn't then, know we were investors at heart. Like we were no. just in, we were more investors than we were people with real estate licenses. We were investors. yeah. They they thought we were like real estate salespeople, yeah. where really we were investors. We're just investors to try to help other license. investors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, there were, there was a difference for sure. But they went out of business. And do you remember when they? Went, I remember I was driving to that office, and they had already given us the heads up, like, hey, it looks like you know we're going out of business in about two or three months or whatever the time frame was. We're going to close this office, and things are going to. Um, be gone but then I was driving to the office one morning you were already there you're like Nick someone just knocked on the door and they said what they said, what they this say? place is going down yeah and they took the, <laughs> they the took Xerox machine or yeah. something they right? wheeled it out two guys <laughs> so and then the internet went down same day or yeah. something yeah right no internet no yeah. phones copiers gone we're like what the heck we had to find it we had to find a, an office that day luckily we had already been looking and that's where we went to that shared office space same day I think it was me you and Mike was already there yeah. Right. We and rented a we U-Haul. rented a U-Haul, loaded up the stuff that we had, drove down the QEW, unloaded it, and then and then we were back up and running though. Same day. We had a part time assistant at that time, yeah. right? Half and days. we had a voice over IP phone that we yeah. Just plugged so we into just plugged internet. back in. We were back up and running, laughing about it. And then we didn't know that at that time, so we were there for a while. Which, so one of our uh, long term oh uh, members or clients just emailed me the other day. He was writing a story, uh, member of the month story, and it was Dean Dean okay, Anderson, cool. and he wrote uh, that he. Um, he's like, yeah, when I first met these guys in their so-called office in Burlington. So I emailed him like, hey, man, that's hilarious that you wrote <laughs> the that. The sandwich lady used to greet people. That's what he said. He goes, I used to drop off checks for you guys to the lady behind like the sandwich counter. He's, I'm, he's like, what the heck is going on here? So he had a good laugh about it, right? We had a good laugh about it as well. Oh, my 
gosh. So, um, so yeah, we were there for a number of years. And then, like you were saying, we were paying rent. And then that guy didn't pay the rent. And yeah. and some security guards or something showed up one day to and lock, lock everyone out. And they literally out. chained the doors. They, well, we were, yeah, we were in there and they were trying to kick us out. And I'm like, no, I'm taking our stuff out. Remember, I almost yeah. got in a fight with the guys. They called the police on you. Yeah, they're trying to kick me out. I'm like, no, this is, I was trying to take the stuff out. They're like, no, that stuff has to stay here. I'm like, no, this if is our stuff. you haven't seen Nick when he gets intense, Nick can be intimidating when he gets intense. Anyway, it was our stuff and we needed yeah. to do business. So then that day, we didn't rent a U-Haul. We rented, I wish yeah, we the upgraded. Next it was we like a pen, Penske. Pen, pen, Penske? Yeah, it was a Penske is? truck. Two Penske trucks. Okay. We upgraded. And then we, we, we drove it down to uh, a storage unit. We had no place to go. And then for a period yeah, of Rockstar time. Yeah, Rockstar Real Estate was already operating. So oh, the, yeah, the yeah, broker, it was. Uh, so the operating. brokerage was in a storage. We were operating out of a storage unit. You're right. People were calling us to drop off checks and we're like, no, no, we'll come to you. It's our service. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. You don't have to come to the office. Oh, man. For like, yeah, two, three months until we found this location. Okay. The whole Rockstar thing, though. So let's take a step back because I forgot it was already operating. For people listening to this, what the heck? What's rocks like Rockstar Real Estate? Why? Why were we crazy enough to? Invest? Yeah, I mean, we so got to we got to we, we got to explain that because people always wonder. So we started a brokerage because we never wanted to lose control of our lives again. The brokerage we were in went bankrupt, and that gave us a huge curveball that we weren't expecting. So we thought, why are we not going to just create our own brokerage? So we both took those broker courses we had to take. Nick became the broker of record in real estate language, and we we said we're going to start our own brokerage again, not even knowing what we were doing. Like looking back, we shouldn't have started our own brokerage. We didn't even know what software. We had to cut checks, open trust accounts. It was a disaster. Yeah, we knew nothing. We knew nothing. Looking back on all this, there's a, there's definitely a theme of us just jumping before we really should have jumped. Yeah. But anyway, on on that uh, on the Rockstar um, on the on the Rockstar front, we did we were going to call it like high net real estate was one of the it finalists. It was either like high net real estate or cash flow. Ugh, something. They were all gross. Or some, like something investment group. Yeah, they were like, gross. Yeah. And then we were, I think we were working so hard. One day we had the conversation of like, hey, you know what? People aren't buying properties to uh, become landlords. No, it wasn't that. I remember exactly where this came from. I, again, I was driving along the QEW. For some reason, I remember these moments when I'm driving and you called me. So the, remember we had the list yeah, of- ten, like uh, ten, Yeah, 10 names. And we looked at Rockstar and we're like- It was the you? last on the list. It was the very last oh, one on the list. Oh, I don't remember that. Okay, yeah, yeah, so it was the last one on the list. And we looked and we're like, wow, we, we threw both, it in there just for we, fun. Yeah. And we both liked it, but we're like, could we, could you imagine we actually called it that? So we did, we weren't going to. And then you called me along the QEW and you said, Nick, I got it. People don't invest in real estate to be like landlords and fix leaky toys and stuff. They invest to live life like the way they want to, whatever that is. So it's like, and that's their rock star life, which is living your life on your terms, whether it's like, and then you're like, you know, you know, when you get excited, right? When Tom gets excited, it's like, he's all over the place. Then is now there's no stopping him. He's like, whether it's like at the cottage, you know, reading a book or whether it's Vegas partying, that's, that's what this is. And, And I sat there, I was like, wow, man, that's really smart. Like that's. That makes perfect sense. I think sense. it came out of frustration because right. we were working hard to help investors too. So it was like, yeah, it's this whole bigger message and we're working hard. We're freaking rock stars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to help investors and they're working hard to buy these properties. They're rock stars. It should be rock star real estate. I forgot it was that. Yeah. That, and that's the whole your life, your terms thing came like right at the same time or shortly afterwards. I thought it was right around. It might have been. The, right, I remember talking time. to somebody and I described it. They were like, why are you doing what you're doing? And I remember describing like, we're doing this because like, it's my life, like it's, it's all our lives. Like it's your life. We got to like live it on our terms. And, and, and the way that we've all been programmed to do it isn't working. Mm-hmm. So like, we're doing this to live life on like your own terms. It's like your life, your terms. And I remember after I said, saying it, I came running over. Did I come running over to you? I think it was another excitement thing. 
Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, oh God, what now? I'm like, Nick, your life, your terms. So uh, anyway, that's where uh, your life, your terms came from, right about the same time. And that really has made this business worth it for us because if it was just about buying income properties or properties, uh, but the whole bigger message of doing what we're doing to live life on your, that's why we talk about business stuff too. In, in, in Rockstar. And that's oh, why yeah. we talk about, uh, it's not just about Anything. real estate. We're not like, real estate is the answer to everyone's problems. Real estate's actually just really good at solving a lot of things. But uh, I tell everyone, I'm not tied to real estate in yeah, the Yeah, we're least. more about living your life on your terms. Yeah, it's just real estate's been such, I, I mean, for us, it's worked so well as one piece of the puzzle, not the entire puzzle, but it's been one piece of the puzzle that's allowed us to do that, that I'm, I'm, I kind of lean that way. But if someone else showed me something else that has, you know, benefited me the same way that you can leverage and all this. Like if I could invest in, I always, I'm in an office. So, you know, if, if I could invest in doors or door handles and get the same returns and do the same type of thing, have other people pay them off for me as a self-liquidating asset and stuff. I, all of a sudden I'm a really big door handle fan. Right. So I'm not tied to, I'm not tied to real estate a hundred percent in any way, but it's just been very beneficial for us. Um, but yeah, the, the, ultimately it's definitely about, helping people live life on their terms because if we remove that from the business it, it just changes things for us it's not about just you know quote unquote properties it's got to be for us at least about more than that and i think that's what's that's what's given us maybe the longevity to keep doing it as long as we have so and far. 10 years so rockstar will be 10 year anniversary will be uh, august or september of this year Rockstar will have been around for 10 oh, years. Oh, yeah, Rockstar, because we were doing it elsewhere doing first. That's right, that's right. Yeah, because I think you quit 2006, I quit 2007. Um, but Rockstar was created in 2008. So it's a 10-year anniversary coming up for Rockstar. We're going to light yeah. fireworks inside the well, office. Yeah, 10 years. Before that, anything I did, I stayed in that in a position for one year. I don't think I stayed in a position longer than one year. I don't know how we've stayed in this long. And just, <laughs> just, uh, and then, I, Nick, I just wanted to share, I don't know if this is the right point, but I just wanted to share with people some of the things that we've learned over the years. Like the biggest thing that I think helped us is for some reason when we started Rockstar as a business, so I'm not talking about the real estate investment side of it, which we started researching. Do you remember when we thought we were going to run out of properties to help investors with? Yeah. Because we were doing a lot in Hamilton. We had remember? probably done, what, 50 properties? 50 by properties? That. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How many properties do you think we've done now? Do we know? Um, no. It's over I don't a, know anymore. Oh, it's well over. Th we, we crossed 1,000 years ago. Yeah, so we're, we could be 2,000? I don't know. I think we're so. over a billion in purchases. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure properties were over 2000 for sure yeah okay yeah, yeah. so we should run that number so we know so so not on the real estate side yeah you know what i'm just thinking doing some quick math in my head we're well over well 2000 yeah we, right? we might be even into three yeah so we've done the last 10 years we've been and it couldn't have happened without our team i mean our teams yeah so it was just me and you we're, we won't talk about this uh today we won't get into kind of growing the team and stuff but we went, there's like 50 people here at, now, at Rockstar yeah. total. So it's myself and you, and now Rockstar is about 50 people. And I want to say one of the key things, luckily we were convinced ourselves of this, to make the business last. So anyone listening to this who's starting a business or looking at growing an existing business, and the only reason I feel comfortable in sharing this is we've been in business 10 years. The last two or three years we've been on Canada's Profit 500 list as one of the fastest growing companies in Canada. One of the biggest things that we learned that has saved us, I think, from, from you know, or you know, continuing to grow is we somehow uniquely convinced ourselves that getting the phone to ring was more valuable than doing anything else in business. I don't know how we convinced ourselves of that. And what I mean by that is getting leads, like getting people to call yeah, us. Yeah, but that started with our investing. 
Yeah, I guess because we realized we just cared about that early on. We didn't yeah. care like like you. That's when we, we got lineups outside the yeah, rental properties. That's we were more interested in that, yeah. and we were so focused on that that we're like, so we just cared, cared it. Well, because I, I think I I mean I know I panicked. Not like panicked in a bad way, but I would be like, the, the house is vacant. The house is vacant. Mm. We got to fill the house. So I was like, how do we fill this house? I want anyone there possible to fill the house. Like I was freaking out because I didn't want to pay the mortgage payment. Right. So, so that's maybe, you know, that's kind of like, it's always been that way, you know, from the investing business, anything. So I still remember the first student rental property where we had like about 40 people outside the lawn to rent it out. Do you remember that day? Oh yeah. I think, uh, I think that was my Muriel came with us too. My brother-in-law yeah. I think came with us yeah. that day. Pure chaos. So yeah, it carried over from that. Um, so that really helped us. Um, and then the other thing that I, I underestimated quitting my job was the stress that I was going to put on my family was huge. Like the stress that I put on the family and the family time, I looking back, that was big. That was bigger than I thought because we were working like that six months before I quit. I was 4.30 a.m. till about midnight every day. Yeah, but but that also, so yes, I, you're right. But like you said, I think I think it was the lead up to that, which might have been worse when you were working full time. That was the toughest part. Before you quit your job because you were working so full time like and trying to. nine month period. Of yeah, both. when you were trying to, you were working early on the business. Scouting working, properties at lunch, driving then, from Mississauga yeah. to Hamilton to find rental properties. It takes its toll on you. It's tough. That but but tough. it's just a period of time that you got to go through. It's no different than starting a new role, like starting a new job, right? The learning curve is steep when you start a new job. You got to sit there and you got to, you know, pay your dues and kind of figure it all out. And then before you kind of oh, go into a little yeah. bit of a coasting mode. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot different. It's, 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 it's tougher, but it was a tough period. But um, yeah, it's worth it. You got to to get, you know, to get momentum, you, you got to just... It's the toughest thing to get, but once you get it, you can kind of ride it a little bit. And, and agreed. And, and for, for some freaky reason, looking back, we were pretty clear on priorities. So I think you and I have always chatted that priority management was more important to us than time management. Like you and I always just seemed to understand what was the most important thing to do that day. And we would focus in on that and we would kind of ignore other little problems. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know. And that's something we still try to do today. Yeah, I mean, it's a constant struggle, but you need, you know, any entrepreneur, investor, whatever. I mean, I, to me, that listen, the, the term is interchangeable. Investor, entrepreneur, I, I look at the same totally. thing, right? So um, it's... Uh, investor in real estate anyway, for sure. Totally, yeah, yeah. sorry. So that, that's what I'm looking at. Anyone that's owning their own properties, maybe they're managing a little bit, dealing with contractors, that type of stuff. Um, yeah, like you can get sidetracked with so much crap but but if you don't get those important tasks done I and mean, we've seen people that are more worried about getting the, the snow card. shovel i was gonna say more oh, getting yeah worried, on a property on, yeah getting yeah. Re- more worried about getting the snow shovel than actually um renting out the property or getting someone to the property that might be interested in it or even even placing an ad and i'm like who cares about the damn snow if no one's go- if you haven't put an ad in the in, in the paper online wherever the heck you're gonna put it what's the snow matter no one's trying to get there remember that right? time we got all those people to a property in a snowstorm i remember calling them this was an investor we were helping. I remember specifically this. You know time. the one I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, because we were like, what the hell did you do? It was a snowstorm and, and people were calling me saying, are you still going to be at this property? And it was on Hamilton, up on the Hamilton Mountain, kind of West Mountain. And I said, yeah, we, you know, absolutely we're going to be there. We drove down in the middle of a snowstorm, like sheer out snowstorm. We get down to the property. There's people parked on the snowy street. We kind of pull up, can't get on the driveway, too much snow, big snow drift right on the driveway. We stop, you get out of the car and I think you're like, I'll grab a shovel that we had at the front. And you started like, you started digging a path, like a, like a snowblower. You started digging a single path where people could walk. Because people street. were there. Yeah, we people had to were get there. there. And yeah. you were like a snow, you were like a human snowblower. Because I just remember seeing snow flying everywhere. And then I remember getting out of the car, walking around. 
and I remember feeling my pockets and realizing I had left the keys at home. Yeah, I remember that oh. too. I was like, you got to be kidding me. My heart sank. <laughs> that was brutal. But you know what? But I remember driving home. So it was brutal. But I remember driving home thinking, wow, there's a lot of demand for these places. Yeah. If people are coming out in the snow. during these snowstorms to see these homes. And, and the we're faces like, that, what, that... Yeah, they really liked it. Yeah. And we're like, wow, we need a lot of... Like, how many of these can we just pick oh up? You know what I mean? There was, I had promised that investor we were going to fill it within one week. I don't know why I said that. Yeah. Another thing that we did that we should have never yeah. done. And, and I remember thinking, oh my God. I remember being in the shower at home later, I guess the next day, thinking... Am I what? Am I crazy? Like, what am I prom- making these promises for? We filled it within a week. Yeah, we went out that weekend. We got uh, a tenant for that property. We filled it with good a people week. too, though. Great, that, that worked out. They he ended was, up buying, he, that was a rent to own property. They yeah. ended up buying that yeah. property, and he was really happy at the end. The, yeah, he was, he was, he was yeah. happy. Tenants were happy. Everything was great. Yep. But uh, that was ludicrous. Um, that was a messy one to get done with the financing and stuff because he was from out of province. Yeah, there, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. There was. I can't even believe he challenged to work with there. us back then. He was from British Columbia. Um, yeah. But there was one rather He's thing. as crazy as us. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he was a business owner. He owned, a, I think, a karate school or something. There you go. So lesson number one, if you're starting to if you own your business, you got to be... Oh, no, I was thinking you just got to not know what you're doing and just do things. Um, the One thing that also looking back that helped us, we spent money to hang around with people who were doing shit. And that helped us. Because do you remember that first uh, conference? Yeah, we've we always, we've, we've, we've traveled. Yeah. We've spent money when we maybe didn't We almost had a heart attack. We got to this conference. It was, it was in Chicago. We were leaving the airport. And do you remember the, and yeah. on the bus, the shuttle to the hotel, someone was sitting there thinking, you know, do you think the other people coming to this conference know it's just a big sales pitch or sales something? Yeah. And, and, and literally. And they kind of looked at us and laughed. I don't know. <laughs> I, remember them laughing. I, remember I don't know it. if they looked at us, but I remember getting there and my heart had sunk because I was like, oh my gosh. Because we at were that expecting time, to go there and learn. Yeah. And at that time to spend that money and, oh. and you know, in US dollars and, and go and pay for flights and pay for a hotel, um, it, it, it was a big decision for us. To go down there, we're like, holy! Did we waste all you know all this money and all this time? Is it worth it? Um, but wow, it was well worth that, it for us. Our yeah, eyes opened to a lot of so stuff. Yeah, much yeah about it, business. it was good. Now we learned more about business in that weekend than maybe we had ever yeah. learned. You almost went insane. I went insane because you stayed. I think it was four days, and you stayed inside the hotel the whole I didn't time. Breathe fresh oxygen yeah, for like yeah. three days. No, I think on the fourth day I started. Free, my body started yeah. shaking, and I had to go. Into the, I remember <laughs> we were doing real estate deals with investors from the lobby of the hotel on breaks of this oh, yeah. thing. It was chaos. That was chaos. Um, yeah, and I was just worried about our roaming bill because at that time roaming was expensive into the U.S. So I was like, "Hey, Tom, can you hurry up and like, get off save phone? us some money?" Yeah. I remember <laughs> the investor that we were working with. I don't know if she works with us anymore, uh, but the, the one of the guys she brought in to work with us still does. But you know, saying that about the phone, that's another thing I wanted to share is that you have always been really good at watching the bottom line, and when you're starting in a business, that was really big help to us watching the bottom line see so that being cheap was good frugal no, that frugal. being cheap was really good frugal. I know, uh, we got to get this fru- right yeah we got to get yeah. be consistent with this theme it's i frugal. definitely spend the money nick is watching the money be spent i cringe sometimes <laughs> oh do we have to get this most of the time though when we've done stuff like that and i've kind of cringed it's been it's been worthwhile yeah, yeah there are one or two things though that i can hold That's, against you that are like they were kind of crazy oh my god that one con- <laughs> that yeah. one thing we went to in chicago oh my god yeah that was uh that, horrible yeah. that was a big waste of money um you're uh, the yeah that was a mistake and that's something else <laughs> i wanted to bring up is that uh we've made tons of mistakes i think sometimes people will come up to nick and myself and they say oh my god you guys like 
you're, you, you started investing and you started this business and you guys have it all figured out. I don't think people realize how often we just jump in and make mistakes. And I think if there's anything we can share with anyone, that's the, what's been the most beneficial thing to us, just doing, just jumping in and figuring it out on the fly. And we've done that a lot. So we've made a lot of mistakes over the year and we, years and we haven't been scared to make mistakes and we're still continuing to make mistakes. Yeah, you know what drives me crazy? Like the, the number of people that we see that come in and they're trying to kind of have everything, everything aligned and they're moving everything slowly aligned, and they're so worried about every angle. It's like, you got to just get in there, especially with, with like, look, it, we work with a lot of investors, right? So if you look at investors coming in, some of them are buying, a lot of them are buying single family homes. Maybe it's a condo, maybe it's a single family home. And you get some guys that are trying to beat these numbers down and they're trying to create a spreadsheet that's 15 tabs and 85 formulas and all this stuff. Listen, it's pretty simple math. Like, figure out your carrying costs for the month and figure out what it can rent for, and that's it. You know, and but some of them will go beyond that into way more detail than you need to. When you're getting Start started, worrying about taxes. Yeah, but if taxes come into play for making money, so like, don't worry about that. Like, just keep it I mean, simple. You do have to be reasonable. You have to have a few months carrying costs. Like, there's the basics, no, but of it's course. not like this encyclopedia of data that you need to to make a decision. Yeah, and I, I, there's a number of people that have come to us for like, well, I've done all the numbers and, and I, they I'm don't actually, work. I'm, yeah, they don't work. I'm losing money. I remember and that. And we've guy. done this. I remember that Not guy. That guy. This happens on a, this a regular happened, basis. Yeah. But the first time someone said that to me is they said, I, I took the, this is about 10 years ago. So think about this. They took the price of the home in Burlington, Ontario, yeah. divided it by the property taxes and told me the ratio wasn't right. So they know the house is overvalued and they can't proceed. I remember looking at the person like, I don't understand. I know it rents up for this much. I know the expenses are this much. I don't understand. Like, you're just going to hold this property. Like, I don't get it. They were so hung up on getting a good deal, and they didn't see the income and expenses right in front in front of them. No, it's just people can talk themselves out of it. You know, a lot of people we've seen just put barriers in front of themselves. So if you're going to, I mean, you know, for us, if you're going to err on one side of being like too aggressive and jumping into stuff and trying to deal with it or being too cautious and not doing anything for us, obviously we know which ones worked. You just move and you figure it out. You know, unless there's some like life changing deal breaking thing that's going to happen, like, you know, like you're going to get struck by lightning or I, you know, who knows what the monsters are going to You have to control your costs. Maybe you forget a fixed rate interest rate instead of variable. You know, there's a bunch of things that's not like we're trying to gloss over this, but in general, but, but I mean, but it's not, it, that type of stuff, unless it's going to ruin the rest of your life, which like the worst case scenario when these types of things don't, then what are you worried, you worried about? You got to look at downside. Especially yeah, a you're right. Family but, home, you can always just sell it. Yeah. So what, at the end of the day, you sell it for, you end up selling it for a little bit of a loss. I'm not trying to make light of that, but I mean, you move on. Well, I think because it, the lessons you learn from just doing it, even if you lose a little bit of money, is just priceless. Like the lessons are priceless. And time, the, you know, we've said this a lot, that you make money in real estate by time in the market, not timing the market. You know, you just get in and survive. Like, yeah. that's where the big money is. Anyway, something else I wanted to share about uh, going into business or quitting your job. Um, you, Everyone listening to this, if you ever quit your job, you should know it, you're, it's a very, very lonely place. Do you remember the first few years, Nick? It was like just me and you. I felt like nobody else so was doing what we were doing. Yeah. And you're... you're no one understands your problems. Like no one understands that. Well, it's still you, lonely. How many? It's how still many, How many of your friends can you talk about very few. openly? A bit about the more stuff now. A bit more but, now. But yeah. But which? Yeah. But which ones? Few. Yeah. Business owners. Yeah. Primarily the business owners. Yeah. Right. Like friends that I used to talk to when they were still working who have quit now and become the and become business owners. I'm like, hey, do you know where I was coming from now? Did you do you understand what I was saying when I said this? And they're like, yeah, I see it now. And I'm like, I know, but you thought I was crazy before, right? And they did. It, you know, so it's it is tough. So you're right. It's 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 a valid point. So get ready for that. But I mean, 
uh, I'll hold that one back. Yeah. I'll, hold, I'll hold that thought back. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a uh, yeah, it's 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 it, it can be tough because I think no one understands the problem of. Do you remember when we would run ads in the Burlington Post? Was it called the Burlington Post? Is it still around? Yeah, the Burlington Post, Oakville Beaver. Remember when we would run an ad? We would spend like fifteen hundred dollars for Rockstar Real Estate to run an ad, and then we would find out that it was going to pour rain on the Friday that it was going to be delivered. Yeah, so which you knew always half, meant. So you knew half the kids are just throwing yeah, out the papers yeah, yeah, and not which, delivering. Which them. always meant the papers were never going to go out, or at least half, like you're saying. The leads were going to be really low. And I remember thinking we should have just taken that $1,500, gone outside the office, and lit it on fire. It would have been took, more fun than what we just went Well, if through. we took a video, it'd, it'd get more, us more exposure yeah, than the yeah, ad. Yeah. Right? Oh but God. you know what? I, I, I was thinking about this today for one of the um, one of the presentations we're putting together uh, for, for the event next week. And it was, um, I, I think it's two things because we often talk about, Hey, it, it's lonely place and it's, it, it's harder. And then I was thinking about it. I'm like, in, but it's, it's both sides quitting your job and kind of starting something on your own. It's, it's harder than you think it's going to be in some ways, but it's also easier because it's not as hard as it has yeah, to be. You keep going. It's very simple. Like, like it's very simple to get the first kind of few steps in place. It's actually not that hard. So at the same time that, hey, you know what, you're going to deal with some challenges that you didn't expect and those are going to be harder to deal with. At the same time, before you, before you quit your job, it seems like such a, it can seem like such a daunting task. It can seem like you're ready, you're getting ready to climb this mountain, but you're not. You're getting ready to take the first 10 steps. It's, it's, it's not hard at all. So it, it's really kind of, uh, kind of both sides. You got to kind of get moving with it. And I think that kind of, you know, the, the last 10 years, the successes of what we've been through have been pretty cool. Like we bought a property on the coast in Croatia. We've both gone there for a month or I think one time you went over for a month. We both go there every summer with the family. We both It's have, been eight years. Since we bought the property? Well, no, since we've been going over there every every summer. It's been or eight straight summers. Or should I say summer. since I tricked you into buying that property? Yeah, that was a trick. I definitely wasn't ready for <laughs> but, that. That was a good it's trick. eight years. Yeah, so. It's been eight years because I know because my, my oldest daughter wasn't even, so Ella wasn't even one. She wasn't huh. one yet before we went and she's she'll be turning eight this year. That was another thing we did without. That was another thing we did without knowing what we were doing. We found our cousin called us from Croatia and said, "Hey, you like it here, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I like it there." And he said, "There's somebody actually building this nine-unit condo, which never happens on the coast unless you have government connections. There's no new construction on the Adriatic coast in Croatia, none. But this guy had the connections to do it." And uh, I said, "Really? Okay." I remember talking to you. And, and, yeah, and, I flew over three days later. Yeah, you flew over three days later. For three uh, days. For three days. And I came back. And you called me like yeah. in the middle of the night or something. I don't know. Saying, Tom, I think I think we found something here. And then the negotiation for the price was the best because Nick was there speaking Croatian to these sellers. And I was on speakerphone there. Oh, were you? Yeah, I, I was on that. Yeah, I was on speakerphone. And we were like negotiating the price. And then it took us four years to close on the property. That was crazy. But we moved into it right away, but we didn't even own it. But there was no kitchen. <laughs> we thought there was a kitchen. The first time I went there, I went before Nick and he's like, yeah, Tom, the condo's ready to go. I'm like, yeah, oh, great. I'll go, I'll go over. I'll set it up so that, you know, next summer when we all go with the families, it'll be all ready to go. I'll fly on over there. I flew over there and uh, I expected to sleep there. I was going to buy beds and, you know, just live in the place. I get there. There's no kitchen in the place. There's no 
chandeliers. There's no light fixture. There's no, only one bathroom was installed. Yeah. And they remember them saying, yeah, remember your contract? It says that here we don't install kitchens or light fixtures or bathrooms. Yeah. So you, our cousin who was there, he's like, no, guys, this is normal. normal. This is normal. This is how you But get we the couldn't place. read Croatian and we signed a contract that we couldn't read. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I had so to figure then, that one out yeah. too. <laughs> so then I spent the next, I, I was there for 10 days. I'll never forget. I spent five days in the equivalent of an Ikea, going back and forth, picking up beds and light fixtures and designing a kitchen. And, uh, but whatever, it's been awesome. That, that place has been worth it. So all the freedoms of us, you know, buying that place, going on trips when we want to go to, taking days off when we want to take days off, working harder than we ever thought we'd work ever. Taking yeah. less days off than we than thought. We, <laughs> <laughs> Everything's been good. Yeah. We were fortunate. We're fortunate. Oh, totally. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We've, we, you know, there's, the, you, you earn, you, you earn it all, right? So yeah. you kind of, you kind of face those battles and, and you build it. But I just think it's, I think it's very possible for anyone looking to do it. And you know what? We're talking about quitting our job, but the whole Your Life, Your Turns message doesn't have to be about quitting your job. You can yeah, exactly. yeah, work. Like, well, yeah. yeah, work for Have a time. great career. Yeah, and that's great. But and have some properties on the side. Not selfishly, but we'll talk about another time about the economy and inflation properties, and what, but, the value of property. Yeah, but have do, some other side hustle or side income of some sort. Sure, and that, that's a whole other story. But I mean, just just live life on your terms. Yeah. Structure Agreed. whatever it is yeah. you're doing. You don't have to be tied to what other people you know, are forcing you to do and things like that. There is flexibility in life. You can create lifestyle choices for yourself. More flexibility than anyone knows. More than you think. A member of our team is traveling the world with his family, yeah. his wife and two kids for a year. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, that's the place we're coming from with Rockstar, with the whole Your Life, Your Terms message. And that's why on this, as we roll out this podcast and have other, I think we're going to do a mix of real estate stuff and business building and some health and fitness stuff that we've learned over the years, some nutrition stuff over the years. Hopefully we'll have some pretty interesting guests. Um, we have some pretty cool ones lined up already. So that's kind of like what this is all about. Like it's not about, you know, the, the our lives aren't about selling people an income property. Our lives are about are helping people recognize that they could live life on their terms. Yeah. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. And that's what makes everything work for us. That's why I think we enjoy working with investors because many people who are our investors are thinking the same same things. That's what they're trying to do for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. One of the stated goals, we have this, like one of the stated goals of, of, of Rockstar, which is kind of all the different things that we're doing is... Um, to give people the tools they need to live life on their terms. Yeah. That's that's what it's it is. It's why for members, we're doing a business talk tomorrow on just what we've learned in business about lead flow. And, uh, we uh, we truly talks, believe this. We've had talks from people about nutrition, fitness, yeah. and uh, different things. And A naturopath gives a class in our office. Yeah. <laughs> we've done classes so, at the gym. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So that's kind of what we're about. And that's what uh, we're going to be trying to do with this podcast to share all that kind of information and We'll see what kind of trouble we can cause. I definitely want to talk about the economy, the Bank of Canada, and interest rates. Oh, Nick, we know. Can't take yeah, I know me. you're going to talk about that. Interest rates, inflation, and how we're getting robbed. And I'll have to kind of don't take, try to like peel it back <laughs> a little bit. And gold and silver, we'll throw in some Bitcoin too. But uh, cool, yeah, awesome, everyone. Welcome to the Your Life Your Terms show. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. 
Hey everyone, it's Tom Karadza, and hopefully you enjoyed that first episode and have a little bit uh, of a backstory of where we came from and, and how all this stuff was built um, up until this point. On future episodes, we're going to be talking about commercial real estate, um, student rentals, rent-owned, flipping property. So we're really going to try and share a lot of good information. If you want more from us and you're not familiar with us, the best website to go to is rockstarinnercircle.com. So that's rockstar innercircle.com. Um, you could check us out there. There's links to our YouTube channel on there, blog posts. Um, you can get a bunch of different resources on there. And uh, if you haven't subscribed to this yet, we really would love it if you subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. So if you go over to iTunes and you look up the Your Life, Your Term show and subscribe to it, we would really be appreciative of, of that. So I think that's it for now. Um, we're looking forward to the next few episodes. And remember, the whole idea of what, what we're trying to help and accomplish here is for all of us, ourselves included, is to be able to live life on our terms, creating the life that we really want to live for ourselves. So with that, we'll talk to you soon. Until next time, your life, your terms.